Uh, hey everybody, hope you're enjoying Global Supply Chain Week. Uh, my name is Greg Miller. I'm a senior editor with FreightWaves and American Shipper. Uh, and I am joined by Peter Friedman, uh, the executive director uh, of the Agriculture Transportation Coalition, or AgTC. Uh, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Greg, for having us. Yeah, so Peter and I, I wish we could speak about a, a happier subject, uh, but we are here today uh, to talk about the extreme challenges uh, that are being faced by uh, U.S. exporters of food uh, and containerized agricultural products. Um, but before we get to that, Peter, if you could just talk briefly about uh, what AgTC is and what it does. Sure. The uh, Agriculture Transportation Coalition was uh, formed three, dec three decades ago uh, because U.S. agriculture exporters uh, were facing a common problem. That is, there's nothing that we produce in agriculture or forest products for that matter here in the United States that cannot be sourced somewhere else in the world. And if we can't deliver it affordably, dependably, to the foreign customers, those foreign customers will go somewhere else in the world and we lose those markets. Uh, our agriculture products do not have brand names. They do not have a swoosh or stripes. So our ag exports are fungible. We can lose those markets and we're completely dependent on affordable, dependable transportation to get our agriculture and forest products overseas. That's what we're here for. All right. Uh, well, let's get to the big problem at hand, uh, the exports and, and the challenges there. And just as a bit of backdrop, uh, let me uh, explain. Uh, the container system, the global container system is now in a state of crisis. Uh, COVID uh, has upended uh, consumer demand patterns in a way that uh, was not foreseen. Um, the amount of money that people used to spend on services and travel has been redirected to buying goods and fiscal stimulus has supported their continued buying of goods. So we're seeing this unprecedented surge of consumer demand for containerized products. And the carriers would say that uh, there are not enough ships on the water right now uh, and there are not enough containers in position right now to serve all of this demand. And so what we started to hear back in October, November, was that some carriers had decided, uh, given the need for containers, that they would bring uh, uh, more containers empty from the West Coast over to China to refill them for more lucrative headhaul trades, as opposed to serving, uh, filling those containers with US exports. Uh, and Peter, I mean, your members are right in the middle of this. If you could just uh, go back and explain, you know, uh, what your members have seen with this issue over the last few months and, and how it's evolved. Uh, this issue has evolved in for certain over the last few months uh, with COVID. However, it's a little too easy for uh, the ocean carriers and the terminals to blame everything on COVID and the new world, because we are finding that some of the most uh, incredible burdens, cost burdens that have been imposed on uh, US exporters actually 
had their roots in actions by the carriers and the terminals in the years leading up to our COVID crisis. Currently, uh, ocean carriers can receive uh, from import importers for freight, oh, eight, 10, and I heard yesterday $12,000 freight charges uh, or freight revenue for imports from Vietnam to California-based ports. I know the published rate and the tariff rate is something more like six to eight, but if you actually want your cargo on the ship, it'll be maybe closer to 10 to 12,000. That's coming in. Uh, going out, our exports traditionally are lower margin. As I mentioned before, they're fungible. They have a maybe a value of the delivered container of hay of 12 to $14,000. So a freight rate that is 12 to $14,000 obviously would put an end to that trade. So traditionally exports have paid significantly less. They have paid typically five, $600, but ocean carriers have always seen that they had haul across the Pacific's where they get their revenue. And then they got to get those containers back. We have an almond exporter. Carrier said, we can't carry your exports back. We can't carry, we need the container because it goes back faster, uh, empty. Uh, we're gonna uh, just not carry your export. This export, almond exporter said, well, how much do you need? And the guy said, the exporter or uh, the carrier said, well, the $150 you're paying us for freight to carry the almonds across the Pacific is not enough. The almond exporter said, we never asked for that low rate. Ocean carriers have always seen us, the US ag exporters, as just the backhaul to get the containers back. They have to go back. And if they can get some revenue, they'll get the revenue. But in fact, ocean carriers are now finding they can increase the freight rates on our exports back to Asia. They can make more money and maybe it justifies them carry that container loaded with freight. But still, they're not going to get more than five, six, seven hundred dollars for that container of hay, almonds, lumber, rice, all the products we export, soybeans going back across the Pacific. That, they have to get those containers back. Uh, it is also true that agriculture is no longer grown citrus farms are no longer grown in the city of Los Angeles. It's inland, inland into the Central Valley, inland to the potato growing areas of Idaho, inland to the pork and beef processors in Kansas, Nebraska, and so forth. So to take a container all the way to Kansas, from a port in Los Angeles, for example, and then load it and bring it all the way back to Los Angeles to load out. That container is sort of taken out of service, if you will. So we can understand the carriers say, forget it. We don't want to lose container. We'll lose the revenue, but we'll get our container back faster to Asia. The fact is the Chinese government stepped in a few, about a month and a half ago when the ocean carriers announced an yet another general rate increase, Trans-Pacific eastbound import cargo into the US, the Chinese government said, no, 
that $800 GRI you announced, you're not going to do it. And the next day it was rescinded because China is looking out after its exports, which are consumer goods coming in. China has since imposed on ocean carriers restrictions on the rates that they can charge coming out of China to the US. They're protecting their exports. The United States, we believe, needs to protect its exports and we are finding based on the articles appearing in major national publications on this, on the crisis for exports, not being able to get loaded and going out, we have a number of members of Congress who are set to take action and some already are communicating their views. This is a crisis. Now, now let me ask you though, uh, how bad is it right now in terms of uh, US exporters in the hinterland, uh, what are you hearing in terms of of these exporters and their, are, are they are they actually not able to get container loads out? Uh, are their foods spoiling? Are they losing sales? How bad uh, is the situation right now uh, for your members? Uh, all agriculture essentially is from the hinterland. It depends whether hinterlands two hours from the coast or whether it's a uh, thousand miles in from the coast. And it is terrible. Terrible being defined as losing sales, losing customers. Um, when losing profits, because you got to pay significant penalties when you don't deliver on time on delivery contracts. That's one. Secondly, ocean carriers have in the words of Gene Soroka, the Port of Los Angeles, weaponized detention and demurrage charges. Those are the charges for car containers dwelling at the port or the containers staying out of the port, not being returned in time. And those charges are amounting in aggregate to millions of dollars weekly, weekly for agriculture and forest products exporters when there are no appointments at terminals, when the ocean carriers do not give an accurate or even close to accurate earliest return date, their schedules are so far off. The carrier tells the exporter of dry dairy powder from Kansas, get your container here to the port because these are your days you can load your container on our ship. And guess what? The ship doesn't arrive. The carrier doesn't even bother to tell the customer. They have to find out from the terminal when they get there. And then the carrier charges them detention demurrage charges for some products, $125 a day per container for the delay in returning it. For other, it's $375 a day. That's the charge for that container sitting at the terminal or the container not even being returned to the terminal because they're not even appointments available to get it back in. Those charges that, as Gene says, weaponizing as a major source of freight revenue, demurge and detention charges, began several years before COVID. COVID did not, COVID has exacerbated the situation, but it did not begin. And we have communications oral communications from some carriers that demurs in detention charges, which after all are charges when the system is not flowing smoothly. 
amounting to 20% of the annual freight revenue projections of the carriers. That is an indication the carriers are expecting that this congestion, the delay, often caused by the carriers themselves by failing to provide dates upon which the ships will arrive at the ports, the dates that the ships are available for loading. Let me let me let me just ask you here, though. Let me ask you: uh, the California government uh, has recently uh, uh, written to the FMC, and they've requested that the FMC look at um, suspending and reducing detention and demerge charges, cancellation of port congestion surcharges, improved notification of empty container receiving locations, and commencement of rulemaking related to detention and demerge charges. And within a very short period of time of that letter coming out. The World Shipping Council and the Pacific Merchant Shipping Association came out and said uh, that the adoption of these protocols would make congestion worse by if you suspend and reduce the, the charges, you disincentivize cargo interests from moving the cargo off, you create more congestion. So what would you say about this uh, rebuttal? Uh, this rebuttal is old and tired, like everything else the World Shipping Council says to the Federal Maritime Commission before it takes action. The World Shipping Council said when demurrage and detention was going to be undertaken by Commissioner Rebecca Dye as a major initiative to issue guidelines as to what would be reasonable practices, port practices for detention, demurrage, the World Shipping Council said, the FMC does not have authority to act in this area. So here they're saying to you, lately they're saying, well, it would be counterproductive. Otherwise they say it doesn't have authority. Well, guess what? The FMC ignored the World Shipping Council as it should. And because the Federal Maritime Commission is charged under the Shipping Act to look out for the interest of US shippers. Okay, that's what it's supposed to do. And so what they did is moved ahead with the detention demurrage guidelines, even though World Shipping Council said they didn't have the authority. They moved ahead, they issued those guidelines. And what is happening now is that the next step is those guidelines will ultimately be made into statutory prohibited acts. In other words, if somebody violates the guidelines, an ocean carrier, there will be significant penalties, including suspension of the carrier's tariffs for consistent violation of what we know as guidelines now, but which will be required, or if you violate them, prohibited acts. There are numerous prohibited acts in the Shipping Act. The guidelines will translate into those and they'll be enforced. Now, this notion that we need to charge these fees in order to incentivize. That's an old song, Greg. You've heard it for decades. We need to incentivize. When I hear this from a president of Ocean Carrier, they tell the assembled exporters or importers, we need to charge you these fees to move your cargo through faster. I ask, is there anybody in this room who wants the cargo to move slower? In fact, people are losing customers because the cargo isn't moving fast enough because the carriers and terminals can't, won't, don't take the actions they need to take. I will give you a specific example. When you go to the airport, your phone the whole time 
is buzzing because the airline's telling you every time the, the flight's going to be three minutes delayed or if it moves to another gate. All the way through, you're getting these text messages. Thousands and thousands and thousands of customers are getting those in real time. Could the ocean carriers bother to tell a customer the day they leave the port, the last port in, in China, and come to the U.S. to go to Los Angeles? Is that too much to ask the ocean carriers to provide at least that information? I'm not even asking them to provide an accurate day when they'll actually arrive, which they should be able to, but they got two weeks. Do you think they could provide? They don't. And instead, they benefit. Ocean carriers are profiting by the congestion they're causing. They're benefiting by the detention and demurrage revenue, which in many cases, and particularly on exports, is greater. It surpasses the freight charges, the actual freight charges. So we want to disincentivize the ocean carriers from creating this congestion delay because right now this congestion delay is generating massive revenue for them. If they were not able to get the revenue as the California letter proposes, that there would not be this revenue from detention to merge. We believe the carriers and terminals would work effectively to eliminate much of the congestion and delay. They would invest in the technology to even bother to tell a customer when the ship is going to arrive, which they don't do now. So, 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 so you're, you're, so basically your main point though would be that the carriers would say that, you know, if you look at the shipping act, the word reasonable, uh, if you look at the uh, the crisis because of COVID, if you look at the sudden change that no one has seen, that they're they're doing their best. And what you're saying is uh, that's not true at all. That uh, the carriers are part of the problem, and that uh, you, that there would be need, need to be some form of government intervention uh, to solve this problem, or at least uh, carriers changing their ways. Well, the Shipping Act is government invention, always has. So the carriers are saying the Shipping Act works fine as it is. Well, that is government in intervention. The fact is that the government and the Federal Maritime Commission, very frankly, they have the authority under the Shipping Act to take the action. You don't need legislation to change the Shipping Act to provide the FMC with authority to determine what's a reasonable practice and what's not. The guidelines were issued. I think the ocean carriers and the terminals were very poorly advised by lawyers or lobbyists or whoever the heck is advising them to ignore the FMC's guidelines entirely. As every commissioner will tell you, the carriers and the terminals ignored every single one of the guidelines that they spent a year and a half developing. So now those commissioners, no surprise to anyone, are saying, well, we told them it's optional. Here's some guidelines to, to show you what we would believe is reasonable. But if you're choosing not to, if you're the carrier and you're choosing not to utilize, take advantage of that guidance that the commission's given you, then you're going to be at the mercy of some pretty upset commissioners, upset exporters, upset governors, upset congressmen, upset senators. 
Now there's some systematic issues too. Ocean carriers have created the alliances. We used to have 21 ocean carriers across the Pacific. Now we have nine, there's less competition. The big ships are too big for many of the terminals yeah. on the West Coast. Those are other issues which uh, no, I mean it's it's a, it's a it's an incredibly complex problem, and I, I um, it's an, an important issue, uh, and it's an ongoing one now. And I really, I wish you know, we could talk about this all day, uh, but you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Peter, I really uh, again appreciate you taking the time uh, to speak with us. If anyone needs to reach out to you, uh, how how can they reach you? Uh, they can uh, send an email easily. Uh, send it not to me. Send it to info i n f o like information info at ag trans like agriculture transportation dot org. That way, several of us will see it. Info at agtrans.org. And uh, I thank everybody for uh, putting up with my uh, enthusiasm no, it, and passion. It's been great, Peter. It's been great, Peter. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. You always ask the hard and the right questions. Okay.